0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Hey, okay, this morning, church. Janet's up at our other campus, so we sometimes, we're sometimes separated on Sundays, but not Monday to Saturday. That's all right, isn't it? Hey, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, Tim and Kate are sharing their story. Come here, don't run off. Where'd Kate go? Come here, Kate. Where'd you go? These guys are sharing their story tonight. Listen, it's a it's a story, It's a it's a story not only of reco- of redemption but also recovery and rebuilding. Now, listen, these are guys that planted a church, led a church, and through everything that happened, you know, things came crashing down. I've had I think eight or ten colleagues in ministry over the years. same thing happened i don 't know that any of them have come back, uh, not even to their marriage, to their faith or anything. and you guys are the only ones and And I see in you yeah, it's awesome. but you know what it takes you know what it takes. It takes that confidence that i 'm willing to serve. These guys for years have been serving, they used to lead now they 're serving. you know uh, Tim started out just helping down here. Now son's kind of taking your place. How do you like that? Yeah, good. And he just joined the worship team, and Kate started worship leading, but they just came first to get restored. And then they just started serving. See, there's a, there's a false thing. People think that, hey, when, you know, when, when somebody falls, people say, so, so when do they get restored? When they ask me that question, you know what they're talking about? When do they get back into the pulpit and start doing their ministry again? Wrong question. The question ought to be, is when do they get restored in their image of Christ? not in their ministry. And then you start a track, not of just jumping straight in and doing. The people who've done that end up falling again because they've just bypassed the necessary rebuilding. And these guys have gone through it. Been years, how many years? Five, Five years. And We've watched them sit there and do nothing for a while, knowing daggers probably are looking down at them from. You know, uh, did you feel that at times? Sometimes. Nobody did that. No, no. You guys didn't do that, did you? No, no, no. No, no. I don't think anyone. Oh, Julie answers for everybody. Did you notice half the people didn't answer? We'll pray about a judgmental spirit after. Anyway, yeah, well, all of us can get caught up in that. And uh, five years, and just sat there. And let God do things. And even sat separately in the auditorium for a while. And to watch God do this is amazing. I'm not going to tell you a story. Because there's a lot of what did God do in you through it? And how did he do that? Because I think he wants to do the same kind of miracle in other people's lives. Yeah. Which is awesome. It's Listen, 5 o'clock tonight, you need to come hear these guys. And see what God can do. Uh, God is the rebuilder of broken ruins. Which is awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. good. Alright, see you tonight. which will be awesome. Hey, we, look, guys, We're uh, this extension service, that's what it's about. People are sharing their story. Bring people who need to hear the story of how God works uh, because you don't hear that often. You hear teaching, you hear motivation, you hear all kinds of things. But what about where the rubber hits the road? Do these things actually work? Have you actually seen a mountain moved? Um, and there's a, there's a testimony right there. So see you there tonight, 5 o'clock. Northwest Campus, we're in a season right now where we're looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, so it's kind of my role today to just take us into that a bit further, and it was highlighted, I don't know where Simo was at, but he added an extra week in there, it was last week mate, not two weeks ago, <laughs> where you caught up in the spirit and went somewhere for a week and he's good, I liked what you did this morning, that was good, just stepping out and doing, he's, he's not afraid to step out, um, just transmit that to up the auditorium and let it happen. Hey, the weekend was great. 16 kids in our children's ministry got filled with the Spirit, and they've gone home. They're writing songs. They're they're, they're getting prophetic words. They're speaking in tongues. Kids just not inhibited like us. You know, they're awesome. Um, there's a spirit of prophecy all over the place. Number of people started a journey of healing. Ron Collison started. I turned around and asked him, and he said, "Yeah, there was there was partial." You heard Trish's story. Greg got healed, and, and he was, I think, still a bit more to come. Margaret Paget not here today, but got fully healed. Uh, I put up my hand to get healed, and I'm one of the ones that didn't. Well, Why's that funny? I wasn't laughing. I was going, what the? No, but here's the deal. Just because I don't get healed at that moment, I don't stop asking. I don't hear my father going, no, you little brat. Get your hand out of the cookie jar. This is not a cookie jar. Um, I would tell you a story about my kids and cookies, but I get in trouble. This goes out and I get in trouble. All right. But listen, uh, there's still healing. There's still healing. And I'm believing for mine, so I hope you are for yours. I'm too young to not believe for healing. Right, Jim? Yeah. Which is awesome. And uh, Pastor Aaron's message last Sunday morning was just the right word at the right time, wasn't it? Um, He said, momentum is about position and surrender which is total opposite to just trying to make it happen through corporate endeavor. Now, there's nothing wrong with being energetic and doing endeavors. But in our culture, in our realm, in this other kingdom, it's about where we stand and how we let go of things. Not trying to make it happen. And I believe we're on the crest of a wave at the moment. I believe there's things starting to generate and happen I mean, there's a lot more waves to catch, but I believe we're on the the crest of a wave at present. You ought to get out in the surf. So says me, who never goes to the beach. Anyway, but in saying that, guys, uh, momentum is more than just an experience or excitement after a conference or an event or a church service. Mm. Spirit and truth was not designed just to give us an annual dose of the Spirit's activity. Listen to me. And this is why it was so good. God led us to go, we're going from this to this to this, not standing still. It exists to constantly remind us how the Christian life was meant to be. That's what Spirit and Truth is for. And to help us to live out our vision as a Spirit-empowered people. Is it a slogan on a paper since 1999 or is it reality in every day? And this is why we do this. And Pastor Darren then brought us a word at our prayer meeting. Pastor Aaron then kind of reiterated, they talked about the new normal. Did you catch that? The new normal? Well, I I want to bounce off that this morning in the context of life in or by the Spirit. What is the new normal? What is that? The deal is we were born into the family of God by the Spirit. So the new norm is meant to be a life lived by the Spirit. Not directed by the flesh or not directed by people, but by the Spirit. And it means a life continually led by the Spirit. We're going to talk about that this morning. Being led by the Spirit. So how does that happen? What's it look like? All right. first thing is this. Being led by the Spirit is not earned, but received. You can't earn it. I don't know if some of you have come from the old holiness kind of background. Maybe not. But it trickled its way down through. I won't talk about all the movements it was in. But I remember coming in under the leadership of somebody who got schooled in the old holiness kind of movement. And they used to have prayer meetings called tarrying meetings. That's hard for you to understand what I was saying with my accent. You know where it talks about Jesus said tarry until the Holy Spirit. It's a, anybody even know what that word means? It means wait. Just wait here meetings. And we used to have these prayer meetings where we would wait and wait and wait. And you know how good I am at waiting. (laughs) Right. I I waited long enough to go, nah, this is not from heaven. I now know waiting is not supposed to be so long. And we waited and nothing happened. And we just would, as we were waiting, we'd up the ante, up the ante. We'd get louder. We get more fervent, We'd get passionate, we'd start crying. I think God went, "Man, I'm tired of your waiting." <laughs> Nothing would happen. It's almost like we had to earn something of the Spirit. We had to prove to God we deserved to steward this. That's not what I'm talking about here. Being led by the Spirit is not something that God goes, "Can I, can I trust you with this?" I'm not sure. This is a real expensive jewel. You might get it dirty or crack it or lose it. Well, we've been given the pearl a great price already. Can't get much higher than that. That's Jesus. But this thing is not earned, it's received. Being led by the Spirit, listen, happens as a natural outcome because we're children of God. We've just made it too difficult or too mystical. And we we can call it the new normal, but it really should be the normal. How many of you read years ago, Watchman Nee, The Normal Christian Life? Yeah, there was a lot of striving in that book. How many of you didn't feel like you could ever live a normal Christian life after reading that book? Right. How many of you, now, you might be embarrassed for this one, but a lot of us read it back in the 80s. Benny Hinn's book, Good Morning Holy Spirit. Now, all he was saying, whether you agree with Benny Hinn or not, all he was saying is it ought to be as natural as you waking up and going, Hey, God, you're there. How awesome is this? And and talking to him like that and walking with him like that because being led by the Spirit is not a special anointing for a few. Being led by the Spirit isn't just four times of need. I, I, I need a pathway. So I think I'll ask. It's supposed to be the new norm. For somebody who becomes a child of God. Hey, you used, to, you used to live your life led down this path by these ambitions and desires doing that. But now you're going this way because you are naturally led by me. That's what it's like. And Paul talks about that. Romans chapter 8. You've been around long enough. You know it's my favorite, Romans, particularly 8. Paul writes and says in verse 14, Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. I find that contrast sometimes more than I can understand. Fear or sonship? I don't get it. Why didn't you just say say orphan or sonship? Why didn't you say fear or sonship? And all of a sudden it dawned on me. The place where we get our greatest sense of security... Is in being somebody's child. That's where we should get it. Unconditional love. Acceptance not by what we do, but by because of who we are. And so we get afraid of I'm gonna get outcast, rejected if I don't. And some people might have lived under this performance thing of their parents. You know, it's never good enough. And he's saying, well, God's not going to treat you like that because he gave you a spirit of sonship, not rejection. Don't be afraid. He's not going to cast you out. He even said in the Old Testament, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he said, by him, by the Holy Spirit, we cry Abba, which is an Aramaic term meaning Papa, Dad. It's very intimate. It's not as formal as Father. We say, Papa, Father. I don't like calling God Daddy. I don't like being called daddy. But I think there's something intimate we miss with titles. Titles are a sign of respect. But Paul's not talking about respect here. He's talking about closeness. The Spirit himself testifies, gives witness. Now, I don't know if you know this, but that word there is the same word for martyr. One who will give up their life to state this truth. He testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Romans chapter 8 is seen as the greatest chapter in the Bible by many theologians. I agree, obviously. It's about life in the spirit. Leon Morris, one of my favorite writers from Melbourne, in his book on Romans, he said this. An interesting feature of the chapter chapter 8 of Romans, which is not always noticed, is that there is not a single imperative. Imperative is a command. There's not one command throughout Romans 8. It doesn't say, go be more than a conqueror. Go make sure you're led by the Spirit. Go do this, go do that. Not one command in Romans 8. Which is interesting. In my Bible, the heading over Romans 8 is, life in the Spirit. So, he goes on and says this. Paul is talking about a life in the Spirit. Life in which the Spirit guides so constantly that there is no need for a string of commandments. If I am constantly led by the Spirit, I don't I I don't have to be told, ah, don't go there. Ah, you're not supposed to touch that. Don't touch that unclean thing. I am so led by the Spirit, I don't go near the unclean thing. That's how I'm supposed to live. I shouldn't be standing there wondering, "Mm, should I open that thing on the computer that's a bit risky? I, I don't have to go there and wait for a voice from heaven to go, Thou shalt not look at pornography. I don't need that. I have the Holy Spirit going, let's just go this way that is good and healthy and wholesome and upbuilding and clean and holy. It just takes me away from there, because I'm led in another direction. That's what he's talking about here. Because a Christian life wasn't meant to be a life of pushing or striving or living by rules and regulations. it's a life that is lived by relationship and by promise. If you do this, it's going to happen. And the promises found here are promises in this chapter are these verses of guidance and assurance. The Holy Spirit will lead us and he will create a security in us. We live in one of the most insecure uh, times that has ever existed. Even though we've got all these gadgets and we've got possessions and we've got this and we do that, people are just so insecure. And I wonder why. They're looking in the wrong place. So when we talk about guidance... You'll be led by the Holy Spirit. Where does your head go when I say, Holy Spirit's going to guide you? He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's your guide. Well, if you're a boomer, you immediately go to a tour. Yeah, we're going on a tour. He's our blessed tour guide, telling us what's the best spots in Europe to go see. If you're a young person, he's going to be your guide to the best coffee in town. Right? You going on a cruise soon, Jim? (laughs) You're young. Oh, okay. Makes me an infant. Okay. But here's the deal. Paul's not talking about, listen to me, because this is important. He's not talking about getting advice like we would from a travel agent or a counselor. That's not what he's talking about here. I'm going to take us a step further. Even though it's not wrong to get advice from the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit is far, far, far greater than that. That's like baby steps. This is talking about a constant awareness of God's presence so that we've got a willingness to follow wherever He leads. And it doesn't matter what's going on around us. I can can be in the gym... And I can be in a classroom and they have got rock music pumping so loud. You think it gets loud in here. My ears are bleeding by the time. Right, Gary? He was two bikes up from me yesterday. You ought to see us. Oh, my goodness. We look like, we sweat so much. look like greased pigs at a Hawaiian luau. Anyway. um, And the music gets so loud. And some of that music isn't even appropriate depending on who the instructor is. We had one the other day. I thought, oh, hello, Jesus. Um, And... uh, And yet in the middle of that rock music that has just got a culture that is not our culture, the Holy Spirit will speak to me. How's that happen? I thought we had to run from that stuff, block out that stuff, do away with that. I got saved into a background where you took all your LPs and you burned them or broke them. Now they're selling them down at JB for 40 bucks an LP. (laughs) Go figure, I should have kept them. Here, here's Black Sabbath, give me 50 bucks. My brother liked to kill me when I burnt Black Sabbath. Anyway, that shows he's possessed. Anyway, um, and yet I can have all of that noise and I don't have to live by some law that says go nowhere near that or you won't hear God, even in the middle of it. It's interesting, Jesus in Matthew 16, he's headed towards Jerusalem, but he takes a bypass for a while because he wants to get the 12 away from the, the hustle and bustle of life and all the distractions. So where does he take them? one of the most pagan cities in the known world at that time. There were temples galore everywhere. And and I mean, they even the, the Greeks used to think that in a cave there that the god Pan emanated out of that cave. And they had temples to all kind of gods. Jesus stands in the shadow of those temples and he says, who am I? Who do you say I am? Oh, you could be a prophet, you could be this one, you could be that one. And Peter steps forward, and some, well, not somehow, we know he heard the Father because Jesus said, Only the Father showed you this, flesh and blood didn't. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He heard that in the middle of all the cultural noise. When you're led by the Spirit, you don't have to shut out culture because culture is not powerful enough to shut out the Spirit. Did you hear what I just said? So you can lose the legalism. It doesn't work. Legalism is as bad as the sign that says, wet paint, don't touch. I know. You're like me. You touched it to see if it was wet. Yeah, like, don't put your shoes on the seat, Ian. Boys, see the laws? It hadn't stopped anybody. Don't bring bring any drinks in here but water. I only bring colored water into this auditorium. Okay. So here's the deal. He's more than a consultant. And many of us need to move to the point where he is more than our counselor or travel consultant or even life consultant. The Holy Spirit is not your life consultant, even though he'll tell you things. It's far more than that. And he does it constantly, continually. I like the way the New American Standard puts verse 14. It does it more proper with the original. It says this. Let's go. For all who are being led... It's not a one-off thing. It's not a conference. It's not a Sunday. It's not when you just open your Bible. But they are constantly led in the original language. It says this is something that happens continually. Not a one-off. This is the way life was meant to be. So the deal is for me, guys, I don't want to just know the will of God when I need direction on a major decision. I don't want God to think that he's my psychic clairvoyant that I come to only when I want my future read. Lord have mercy that's not what Paul's talking about I, I, I don't want to wait till I need advice to ask God what's going on today yet I wonder how many of us live like that until spirit and truth happens and then we ramp up a little bit it's time to go as as they kept saying last week it's time to get an upgrade I want to be so tuned to his presence. I'm not there, but I want to be so tuned to his presence that I know he's leading me in places I go, things that I do, so that people's lives can be impacted while I'm going along the way. I don't wait for Sunday for it to happen. I've heard people over the years go, listen, my friend just started getting interested in God, so I I waited to get him to church on Sunday. I'm going, Lord, have mercy. Why didn't you do it there? I want to be aware of his presence when I'm walking through the square. When I'm riding my motorcycle. When I'm at the gym. Because people randomly, I don't know about you, people randomly walk up and they ask questions sometimes. That's a God moment. You know that, don't you? There is an opportunity in every question that they ask you. Even the weird question like, I hear an accent. What brought you here? Oh, it's interesting you ask. And yeah, they do look at us like we're weird. I can't help that. You know, the the answer is the answer. God brought us here. We heard him say that, you know. But they think we're weird. You hear God? Yeah, we do. The new norm is this kind of living. It's not just on Sunday. That's the guidance we're talking about, and that guidance comes because of the assurance that we have, where we really are the children of God. The promises in this text belong to us because of our relationship with the Father. That's what it's about. The Holy Spirit make listen. The Holy Spirit is one that makes the promises of God real and personal to us as we walk with Him. And we relate to him. Jesus said, look, it's, it, and we'll talk about this next week in John. Jesus said, it is imperative that I leave you and go away from you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit couldn't come if I didn't. And all of you need him all the time. You don't just need me physically looking at you. You need the Holy Spirit because he'll not just be with you like I am. He will be in you. This is our promise. This is our assurance. And you know what the Holy Spirit's doing constantly? He's saying, hey, look, what's dad saying? What's dad doing? What's dad going to do through you in a few minutes? I love the way Eugene Peterson put it in the message. Now, I know it's the message, but it's still cool. He said this, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa. God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who He is, and we know who we are. Father and children. Do you see the two together? Have, has that ever dawned on, Did you ever get the light going one day that, well, a father has children. Children have a father. And because we start to know who He is, we then begin to know who we are. And if we know who we are, that would lead us to know who He is. Don't separate the two. And uh, I I had to learn, and still learning, to relate to God as my father. Because that wasn't natural for me. The father thing was just kind of distant, foreign, absent, all that stuff. And I was far better, listen, and this is why the crash came. I was far better at uh, relating to God as my employer, my boss. That's how I was good at relating to God. So much of my Christian life was wrapped up in what I could do for God rather than walking with God, relating to God rather than working for God. I, I was working for God. I was on a mission for God. I was working for God. It's all about what can I do for you, God, as if He needed me. And in this season, I'm learning in fresh new ways what it means to be led by His Spirit that reveals my Father's heart. Now, it's not an easy thing. If you didn't get it naturally. But the Holy Spirit can do that. And He can do that miraculously. Because life in the Spirit is this way. It's given to us. It's it's given as a grace. We don't merit it. We don't earn it. And yet we've received it freely. And it should be the new norm. But the deal is this. Just because it's given to us freely doesn't mean we actually live it. Listen. Listen. It's a a sad thing when uh, you give somebody a gift, and I go, thank you, but they never open it. They never enjoy it. They never live in a place of appreciation. It just sits somewhere still in the package. Is it theirs? Absolutely. It's theirs. But have they activated it yet? And, and listen, just because the Spirit's given to us doesn't mean we actually live in it. Being led by the Spirit is not automatic, but it must be activated. There is human responsibility to activate this. And that's why Paul says, as a commandment, walk in the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Interesting, in a twin verse to the Romans one is Galatians 5. Total different reason, but he's using similar language. Galatians 5.25 Paul says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, the language is similar to Romans, except through chapter 5 and in Galatians particular, because of the context, Galatians 5 is filled with commandments. Do this, do this. Even the very, remember the years ago, we still say it today, Galatians 5, 1, it is for freedom, What? That Christ has set us free. That's not a command, but the next phrase is. So don't let anybody take you back into slavery. That's a command. And why is Paul doing that? Different context. They're not living this. They're not activating this. Because the first part of the verse is, is... Let me just talk technical for a second. It's in a mood that says, this is a fact. It's a fact that we live by the Spirit. We've got the Spirit in our life. We live by the Spirit. This is a true fact that we've received from God. But then the context goes on to tell us, but you've got to actively choose to do this. You're not a robot. You're not a puppet. You've got to want this. And you've got to remember who Paul is writing to here in Galatians. He's writing to genuine Christians. He's not writing to people who aren't born again. He is writing to genuine Christians who are not believing and living according to the truth of this word. And he says, guys, you got to do this. you got to live like this. An important, listen, this is an important note here. You can be genuinely born again and yet not living the kind of life that God has designed for you. You know Very possible. Being led by the Spirit is both a promise and a work that's done to us. That's what he says. But a gift needs to be received and activated by the recipient, not the giver. God's not going to make you walk with the Spirit. God's not going to make you listen to the Spirit. Oh yeah, the Spirit lives in you. But it's like having somebody in your house that you never allowed to speak to you. Unless, should I buy that car? Should I marry that person? Should I go on that holiday? Should I build that house? Tell me what you think. Now, go sit in the corner and be quiet till I need you again. You wouldn't treat somebody in your house like that. Hopefully, your wife's not treated like that. Paul says, listen, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Do you know the mood of this one is intentionality? The mood that Paul writes in is he's saying, hey, guys, you got to be intentional about this. It doesn't just happen. You need to want it to happen, and you need to step into it so it will happen. It's funny, I I find this amusing, when people say, we practiced moving in the spirit. How do you practice that? We practiced tongues. How do you practice tongues? We practiced this, and it's supposed to be spirit inspired, and then one day I got it. We're not practicing so that we become perfect, We're practicing so that, as somebody said last week, it's like putting water in the pump and priming the pump so that then water gushes and flows. And so, you know, it's like when I think you see people who go, look, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to speak in tongues. And then they stand there, and it's all of a sudden as if they've just had their mouth sealed. Mm. And they expect God to run His hand up their back and run their mouth like a puppet. And that's tongues. If I saw somebody sporadically doing that, I'd probably cast a demon out of them before I rejoiced. Listen, it's your voice, your tongue, your lips, and your choice. So you choose to start to talk. You choose to begin somewhere. You don't wait to be made. You're intentional that I am going to follow. And this is what it literally means. Let us follow the Spirit wherever He goes, whatever He leads. I like the way the New Living says it. Let's throw that up there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Not just the big deals. Not just the important deals. But the everyday deals. The Spirit of God living in us. Wants to constantly offer this lead to us in every way. It's up to us to go, I want to activate this. I want to be intentional about this. I am not going to stand back and be timid about this. Because I have been given a spirit of power. So what's the new normal look like for you? You ever thought about that? You're not normal. Peter says we're actually a kind of strange people. You know, to the world, we're a strange people. You're not normal, you're actually above normal. But what's it look like for you? What are you expecting to happen as a result of taking hold of the promise of God leading you? Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.